now the moment we've all been waiting for. I am Nate Riggle, and you are listening to The Way of the Bonfire. Welcome back to The Way of the Bonfire, my friends. I'm starting off with a disclaimer on this episode because this episode is a little out there, both from a nerdy standpoint and from a metaphysical, existential, conceptual standpoint. Advance with caution. No, I I don't claim that it's absolute truth, but I do think it's great food for thought and that there are some tactics and techniques at the end for being more connected and fulfilled that really do work. And we're talking about time today. As soon as I became aware of time as a concept at a young age, I became confused and curious and fascinated and obsessed with observing it and thinking about it. I can still remember when I was maybe, uh, let's say, five to eight years old, my dad sitting with me in the living room downstairs in the first house I lived in, in Pennsylvania in that age, talking about our timeline together. And looking back at how he explained it in hindsight, was pretty accurate. I was telling him about how I loved being his pal. And he was explaining to me how we will always be pals, but that it will feel different at different points in time. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, yeah, right now we're buddies and we're together playing as much as we can. And we will become even better pals over the next few years. And then after that, you won't think of me as much as your friend for a few years. And I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? You'll love me as your dad, but you won't want to spend as much time with me. And you might not even want to be my pal as much during those years. And that's okay because that's how it usually goes for everybody. And it's usually only for a few years. And as you get a little older, you'll start to remember what great pals we are. And you'll want to spend time together again. And then you'll want to go out on your own adventures and find your own love. Like I did with your mom. And then that person will be your best pal. And you'll have your own little kids and you'll be with them like I am with you. Pals with them like I'm with you. And and I'll get to be buddies with them too. And then when I'm about 65, I'll have to start getting ready to go be with my dad and mom again in heaven and my heavenly father as well. And I'll still be pals with you then and always, buddy. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> that was like, that was my introduction to time and the, the journey of life and relationships. But looking back, it played out exactly like that. And it still is. As in my father's still with me, even though he's passed on. I know that life goes on after death. Maybe you're asking, how, how can you know that? Well, I haven't been there or had a near-death experience or an OBE or an out-of-body experience, but I have always believed it as part of my faith. And when my father passed away in 2020, I started studying it as part of my grieving process. 
And I can tell you it's been proven in lots of ways, even scientifically and logically and spiritually and anecdotally in countless stories in, in different ways. But to stay on topic of how I know it in context of time and my relationship with my dad, again, I can't speak for everyone. But sometimes when you lose a best pal or somebody that you're just really, really close with at the quantum level or whatever you want to call it, it becomes really, really obvious that they are still around. Not in some spooky way like in the movies or, and not just as a memory or in your memories and not that you hold them in your heart like people say, or that they, they become a part of all matter and one with the universe that you live in. Nope. What I'm saying is that the person who passed away is still conscious and real and alive. But like all the phases of life, the relationship with them just feels different than before. And it's kind of like the story my dad told me when I was a kid. And that they, they, they spend time with you in different ways at different points in your timeline. What do I mean by that? Spend time with me. I'm not telling. <laughs> not because I don't want to, but more just because it's like trying to explain what something tastes like without using the name of the thing. Like if I said explain what salt tastes like, you could take a stab at it by relating it to other things. But what if I am the one you're explaining it to and I, I'd never tasted those things either? You could explain it all day and I might or might not believe you. I might think you're making it up or pretending that it tastes how you say. But that would just be a choice that I made based off of the limited evidence and experience I have. Me believing you or not believing you would not change whether the salt tasted like salt to you. And my belief or unbelief would not change the fact that you know for sure that you did not imagine what you taste when you taste salt. But if I tasted the salt myself, I would see what you mean. I was all over the place on that one. <laughs> but... Uh, here, let me let me let me try a, a different angle here. So Einstein said, "It would be possible to describe everything scientifically, but it would make no sense. It would be without meaning, as if you described a Beethoven symphony as a variation of wave pressure. In other words, you just have to experience it. Like I didn't believe." When my dad told me when I was five to eight years old that I would ever stop wanting to spend so much time with him. But when I experienced being a teenager, I saw what he meant. Anyway, the point of all this is to say that there are phases of life and phases of being that we all go through. And we're all always somewhere in the middle of a truly endless set of experiences and change. And the way we think about and understand time is always relative 
to the phaser experience that we're having. <laughs> I hope you're tracking with me here because it's going to be a lot of rambling if not, but I'm obviously not a theoretical physicist or nor do I have deep, intimate, detailed, practical knowledge of general or special relativity or quantum mechanics. But I am one of the most curious people I've ever known. So I've been consciously observing time and our relationship to it and experimenting with it in every aspect that I can, basically every day and every hour of my 40 years on this planet. Like not only have I watched nearly every pop culture movie or TV series on time travel, like from, from indie films like Primer, that one's amazing, by the way, and Safety Not Guaranteed to Back to the Future. That, that's a great trilogy. I think I skipped school when I was, I played hooky when I was a kid just to watch that one, to Doctor Who, to even like the cheesy kitty ones that don't address any of the paradoxes. But I've also been actively reading poetry about time in time travel and time theory and novels. And I've, I've even gotten into really geeked out on it and looked at peer reviewed journals and magazines like quantum magazine and doing my own experiments with how I perceive the passage and effects of time in these different stages and states of being in my life. And on this one concept, I can say there've been countless documentaries and studies and debates by the smartest minds and Philosophers and the deepest thinkers from Newton to Einstein to Gödel and Hawking and Schrodinger. And like, there's more modern ones now, like Michio, Michio, I can't say his name, Michio, Michio Kaku and like Neil deGrasse Tyson's all over the internet, right? Saying this is how the physicists are looking at it. Here's kind of the current theory. And that's not to mention all the great spiritual leaders to ever walk the earth. Because time is also addressed in scripture across multiple faiths and beliefs in many different ways. So I can summarize like the major conclusion I've come to as a curiously obsessed amateur, having kept up with all the latest developments and theories and looked into the older ones as well. Hopefully you want to know what I what I what I've come to to believe from this for after all that is that we don't get how time works as much as the general population thinks we do. And you're like, oh great. Yeah, that that's what you that's what, that's the conclusion you've came to. Well, wow, that's really helpful. But there are a couple of things that unite all of the theories and positions. And that's where I think a place that we can kind of agree on and start from is, and that it, it's, it's really just tied to, there's really, really only a couple of things that they agree on. It's tied to number one, times tied to our consciousness and our mind's ability to perceive it. And so everyone agrees that that's a thing. And the other one from religions to philosophers and scientists and physicists and all that, they all tend to agree that time doesn't happen unless change happens. That's it. Consciousness and change. Everything else having to do with time is 
still up for debate, as far as I can tell. Like, even the idea that it could happen if there were no humans to perceive time is not agreed upon. (laughs) So, my point is that if time is tied to our minds and our consciousness, and we know we can affect our own consciousness through the power of choice, then at, at one point, as I was obsessing over all this stuff throughout my life, I was thinking, maybe we've been looking at time travel all wrong. And perhaps our mind is how we could be able to control time in some form. So I'm here to share a few ways I've learned to travel through time and manipulate it with the power of the mind to be more connected and fulfilled in life, as I promised. So maybe you think I'm crazy for for putting this out there, but it's practical, right? And I think by the end of this, you realize that I'm not crazy. So number one, there's something called mental time travel, which is like a subset of this other field called episodic memory that's been studied quite a bit by neuroscientists and physicists and all these different fields and researchers. And so if you think I'm just making it up or if you want to just spot check me, go look up mental time travel and episodic memory. Um, There's also something called episodic future, uh, future visions or something like that. Um, They're a whole field of their own. Einstein said, logic will get you from A to Z. Imagination will take you everywhere. And if you look at the context of how he used to talk about imagination, it wasn't just like that it's like this kitty thing where we just think of random stuff. And it's not rooted in any sort of structures or ideas. Like the way he thought about imagination was the power of the mind to look beyond what we already kind of the, the traditional way of doing things. So episodic memory is basically, it's just these vivid times that you can, if you consciously do it, you can go back to these spots in your mind where it's just vivid. It's like you're, the, the memory is so clear and accessible to you that it's almost like you're, you're living through it again. Not like you're feeling everything and seeing like you could taste the food on the table or something. It's not weird like that, but it's, it's, um, it's more than just an idea or, a kind of some story that you remember. So I have a few techniques that I use to travel not to the past or to the future using imagination, but to this moment that I'm in. And I know that sounds not very much like time travel at all, and that (laughs) this is a bit of a bait and switch, but it has a purpose. So let me just run through them. Stay with me. Number one, I'll imagine I'm at some younger age. And at some point, 
where I was maybe lonely or feeling frustrated with my life or just unsure about where this decision I had made was taking me or could, if it even could take me anywhere or like if, if my efforts were heading to anything useful or any kind of growth or happiness or even on the lighter side, something that I might have a vivid memory that just to make it feel real that I'm still that age and I have that set of thoughts, like kind of transports me to that place. And then I mentally time travel to this moment that I'm in right now. As if I'm still the younger version of me without all the experiences that led me to this point. And I say, and that's where perspective comes in. I say, wow, look at all these blessings I have in my life. Like I was so frustrated back then. I didn't know if this was ever going anywhere. And I got all these beautiful kids and, you know, a house and I live in this great place and got great friends and I'm healthy, you know, or, or maybe I say something different and I'll say, well, I really got out of shape <laughs> or I'm being a jerk to everyone. When I get to that age, when I, it, when I travel, I'm going to change that so that this doesn't become my outcome. And what that does is it helps me to be more grateful and present and less complacent with the light, the present moment that I'm in. It brings me here now to this place that I'm in instead of letting my mind drift to the future of the past and, or just some random place. Number two, I'll do the opposite. I'll imagine I'm a much older version of myself. And I travel backwards in time to this moment so I can savor the time I'm having right now with my kids, still in the house. And, you know, some of them are little and I've got a relatively happy family and all the things from the good old days that I miss so much as an older person. And I feel present and grateful and joyful and less likely to waste this moment on meaningless crap. So I think that's useful to present to time travel from the past or the future to now and stick around here. Once you've traveled back to here, stay here. And then there's the traditional way of, of you know, mentally traveling to the past and the future, but for temporary reasons. So I'll travel to possible futures and visualize what I might like about them and how I'll arrive at them and what it'll feel like and be like. And some, this isn't new. Some people call this visualization or whatever the secret or the law of attraction or manifestation or in religion, they call it the eye of faith. So it's powerful, but if we're always focused on the future, we'll never be in the present. So again, it's a temporary technique to create something before you create, before it actually happens and to be able to live into it. The other place to go to the temp for temporary reasons is the past. And that one you can really mess up, but I travel to the most beautiful memories of the past that are just unforgettable. Like looking at the Northern lights with my mom and dad when I was a teenager in Canada on this trip we went on. 
or just pulling these fish out of the water with my older brother when we were backpacking in the mountains. And I use them to connect to people, whether those people are alive or that they've passed on. It helps me if it's, if they're living, like it helps me to have something to remember how much I am connected to them. And it's a great thing to bring up and, and run by them so that we can con connect and make more memories and continue to grow that relationship. And it's also great just to change my mood and my mindset. If I'm having like a day where I'm like, man, why am I so crusty today? I am just irritable. And nothing seems to be able to cheer me up. I, I'll do a little time travel to the past and, and, and use that. And I'll write about it. Sometimes if I haven't ever written it down so that if they ever, those memories ever do become forgotten or lost, I can call them back up when I need them. So that's, that's mental time travel. Technique two is called the metacog or metacognition. And my older brother, Brett, who does have a deeper knowledge of the mind and quantum mechanics and neuroscience, he introduced me to this one. It's essentially a way to observe our own minds and thinking processes. It's like thinking about thinking to change our perception of the past, the present, and the future. Just look up Metacog or Caroline Leaf for a better definition and understanding of how to use this. And the reason I kind of put that into the time travel category is because it's, I mean, this is a newer thing to me. It's really been helpful of not letting stuff from the past keep damage in your mind. Like my, there, I got to a point where I felt like there was a paper jam in my mind and there was nothing I could do to get it going. And this Metacog idea, along with the help of my therapist, it helped unclog everything and just see it all through a different life light and change how I think about myself and change my behaviors moving forward. And, and how I understand like the different sections of my life, the, the past, the present, and the future. Anyway, tech technique three is called, I don't have a time machine or how not to time travel. Because a lot of our suffering and pain and anxiety and stress comes from thinking we can change actual events from the past. Like we can change the meaning of them and how they fit into our story and our picture and what they mean for us. But I'm talking about like, we, I, I do believe that we sometimes think by thinking about something we can change, we can actually make it like it didn't happen. And these are things like regrets or mistakes we or others have made, like traumas and hurt feelings and injustices and embarrassments and inequities and ignorance. And we're essentially living in a way that feels like if we think about it hard enough, we can make those things go away from our past. But we don't have a time machine. Like, I can't change the past but I can change the effects of it in this moment and for the future.
Dwelling on the past does not change what that it happened. So face it and remember it so that you can move past it and through it by what you do now. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I, I, I can't change the past. I don't have a time machine. I, that is a, a helpful thing to say, but not as an excuse. Technique number four is breathing and mindfulness. So earlier I talked about how time, most everyone agrees that time is tied to our consciousness. And we know that breathing can affect our consciousness, which means that breathing can affect our perception of time. I'm just bring, I'm bringing out the all kinds of detail here for you. We're getting way in the weeds. Mindfulness brings us into the moment. I shared some of my mindfulness techniques for with the mental time travel. There's other ways to have mindfulness. It's a huge and growing field right now. Um, it brings us into the moment and allows us to slow it down, not just through meditation, but through a conscious choice. Like when I give someone a hug, I can choose to enjoy it for longer. I can choose to take in my surroundings with all my senses and really participate in a conversation more deeply. I encourage anyone who feels like they're overwhelmed and that they are not enough, that like they don't have enough hours in a day to go and look into breathing and mindfulness and its relationship with time. Technique number five, a conversation with your past self. I always imagined, and maybe, maybe it's just because I watched a lot of Back to the Future or something, or I saw it happen in some of these movies, like from pop culture that I used to watch. But I always imagined how cool it would be if my older self would show up one day and give me a few pointers and like, I would just know them and they would know me and they would know how I would react or, or at least answer some of my questions since they know me best, better than anyone. They're me. And I didn't realize that that's something that you can actually do kind of like, as I was trying to get to the next level, I was talking to coaches and therapists and all these different things. Like, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta step it up. I gotta move past like this part of myself that's holding me back. And I was making my past self, my enemy. And I was like being like Taylor Swift, like the old Nate can't talk right now. He's dead. Right. <laughs> this is the new Nate. And I was kind of demonizing the, the whole old Nate. And it's like, I was talking to this coach and she was like, but that's part of you. You know, she says, I want you to try something. I want you to take a piece of paper and split the page, have the left side be the old you and have the right side be the new you, this you that's changed all these different things consciously and proactively and have them talk to each other right on the left side with the old Nate feels and what the new Nate feels and decide how you, they will work together to be the best you. And I was like, oh, okay, it sounds weird, but it was pretty incredible to see not only why I was still falling into some of my old bad habits, but also to see that I had the power and the ability to talk to the old me 
and explain why that doesn't actually work like we thought it would back then. And here's a better way to start doing it. And it's like, don't be so defensive. Like, and the old me saying, well, but how do we know they're not going to burn us? It's like, don't focus so much on that. Like, has it actually helped you to be defensive? It's like, well, yeah, in a couple situations. And it's like, well, I'm from the future, and I know that it actually burns you later on. So you should probably change that. And it's not like, look, I don't think the old me is going to change that. But by talking to the old me, I can see what I still feels like I haven't let go of and I haven't fully changed like these dusty corners of my mind that I just haven't swept out yet. I, I dare you to try to do it. Just split the page, pick an age, pick 10 years ago, pick five years ago, pick six months ago and have the old new talk to the new year. And the old new might say, Hey, we were really working on our fitness. How do, how do you, do you end up keeping that, that trend going? And maybe you feel like, oh, I didn't, <laughs> I haven't done very good at that. I need to step up there. It's like this crazy way of, it feels like time travel. It feels like meeting your old self and your new self. So gosh, this one has been wild, but I, I hope, I really hope that it's sank in with some people because it's been incredible, these five techniques for me. And I want you to go try it out. Let me know if it, if it did well for you. Hit me on Instagram on my, like in the DM or send me the email. You'll hear it in the outro here, but we'll catch you on the next one. Go get them. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. I love the chance to make your day better in some way, whether that ends up being just a quick reset that you needed to change things up or even just a laugh or some fresh perspective. If you're getting value out of it, can you please do me a favor and share it with someone else? Because as more people find and listen to the show, I'm able to bring more good stuff more often. It is the fuel to the bonfire. Also, I'd love to hear your feedback and any thoughts or ideas or questions you have so we can be more connected and make the show even better with your input and your inspiration. The quickest way to do that is to send a message to my Instagram handle at Way of the Bonfire, which is also included in the show notes. And if you just want to avoid accidentally scrolling on social media, you can send me an email at nate at wayofthebonfire.com. And you know it, but make sure you click that follow button so you can catch new episodes as soon as they're available. Keep tending the bonfire, and we'll see you on the next one.